still trying to decipher sure what to do here, but um, I don't know. I think we had a short there. I thought that maybe we still do. I don't know. Let me put it in my pocket, leave it alone, see if it quits. I don't know. We'll see. Um, hopefully. All right. Um, well, you know, don't ever feel like you're taking up my time or the church's time. Or if God put something on your heart, this is His time. Uh, this is your time, and it's not anybody's time but God's. God's the one reason we have time. But if there's something on your heart, you can get started. Uh, you know, you feel free to, to, to give it or do it by all means. Um, I'm going to be as quick and brief as I know how I, uh, God has not put anything else on my heart to do or ask anybody to do. So James chapter 4, verse 11. James chapter 4, verse 11. And I'm thankful to be saved. Amen. I'm thankful to be in church. I'm thankful for this church, the opportunity. I stopped and I looked around, started counting all the, the kids just a few minutes ago uh, early on in service. There's not very many churches you're going to go to that you're going to find I counted like 15 or 16 kids probably under the age of 20 years old. Uh, and I appreciate that. That's rare and I thank God for that. But James chapter 4, verse 11. We've, uh, chapter 5 will be our last chapter in this and I'm going to switch gears for a little while. Um, I don't know how many sermons we'll get out of chapter 5. I've got to look at it a little bit closer and see how it breaks down into paragraphs and how God leads me to preach it. In chapter 4 of James, is everybody there? Amen. Let's read our text real quick and, and uh, we'll pick up here where we left off and, and let God lead us here. Verse 11, the Bible says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, he that say, today or tomorrow will we go into a, such a city, continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? And this is one of the most well-known verses or phrases in the Bible. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while, or a little time, and then vanisheth away that he ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. But now he rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for what you've done here this morning. Holy Spirit, I praise you for visiting with us. God, we've not done anything deserving or worthy of you. God, I sure thank you when you come and visit with us. I praise you for that. God, I pray, Lord, that you just help us this morning as we preach this message. God, give me the words needed. Use me as you see fit. God, speak to hearts as needed this morning. God, you see the needs of each one that are here. So many things going on in life right now. God, we can't even begin to count them. But God, I thank you that you've got to keep track of every single thing that takes place on earth. God, not just in my life, but God, everybody's. 
Lord, I don't understand that. I don't have to, but God, I thank you for it. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Now, as you know, we have been going through this. In chapter 4, uh, James uh, starts talking about the wars that comes from inside of us and things, and he, he, he looks over these things, and he's bringing it on down again, uh, bringing this subject into greater point. Uh, and it, he teaches very clearly that where our carnal divisions and disputes uh, come from amongst believers. Now, I know we have, have, have disputings amongst the world. That's understandable. But we should not have the disputings and, and differences we have amongst believers that we have a lot of times. But we do. And one of the reasons why that, uh, so many in here in this particular book, in this chapter, that we have is a lot of them want their voice to be heard. Isn't that common today? Uh, a pastor want to do something in a church. Not saying this is me, but if it involves you, then so be it. Uh, say, God led me to do this or led me to do that. And somebody says, well, I don't think that's a good idea. And somebody else agrees. Next thing you know, the pastor can't pastor the church. Because the people want to pastor it. Huh. I'm not real sure how that went over. Let me hit that again. If God tells a pastor to do something and the church fights him against it, Who's at fault? Church. You say, well, what if you're wrong, preacher? Then that's on me. Or any other pastor for that matter. I don't know why I threw that in there. It's just the way God led me. But anyway, let me move on before I, get, before I lose you, before I even get started. Now, I'm not saying you are doing that. Just good measure. But the basic cause of a lot of things that was going on here in churches today is because it is spiritual. We have a spiritual problem. Much like today, we're not separating ourselves from the world and our selfish sins. We want to be involved in them. We got pet sins and enjoyable things that we're not going to let go of. We got a selfish lifestyle that we're not going to change. And this usually leads to discord instead of unity. It's pretty much inedible. In the first 10 verses of this chapter, we looked at how our lust for things cause wars at every level, inside of us, amongst people, and even countries. James also tells us about submitting to God and how we draw nigh to God. God will draw nigh to us. He gives more grace to the humble, resists the proud. And now here in verse 11, he turns back to the tongue again. This has been a repeated uh, subject throughout the book of James. Over and over and over, he talks about what we say. That our tongue is a deadly poison. The things we say to people, the things we say to ourselves, the things we say to God, and the consequences of it. Yes, there's times in our life we say something and we wish we could take it back. I experienced it from time to time myself. So this week, I did something and said something. I thought, oh man, if I could only change this, but I can't. So maybe I need to read the book of James a little more myself. But we, we struggle with that. It's because of our sin. It's because of our carnal nature. He also warns us about leaving God out of our lives and decisions we make. So let me ask you, are you doing these things that James is discussing here? And let me go ahead and tell you the title of this, Quit Breaking the Law. I broke man's law on the way here. When you say how, preacher, because at one place the speed limit said it's this and I didn't go that. I sinned. That's a sin. Women, I don't want to admit it. 
<laughs> Everybody still with me? Have I made you mad yet? Let me try harder. Verse 11, let me read this again. He said, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou be, uh, if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judges another? So number one, we have evil speaking. We are all guilty of this at times. I want my life and my words to be honorable to God and praiseworthy to Him. Some of your testimonies this morning was so encouraging, all of them. I thank God for it. I praise God for each one that is willing to stand up in a church service when God has led them to and tell us about the goodness of the Lord. I don't want to hear the bad news. I know we get prayer requests and things. I'm not saying that. But we got enough outside the world. I need to come to church and hear something good that God has done for somebody every now and then. I need to hear something good. I don't want to hear about how somebody's done you wrong. They've done me wrong. And we're all guilty of this at times of evil speaking. The word used here means to backbite, slander, or tear down. And at times we do this to the tune of justifying ourselves by saying it's righteous judgment. When in reality, all we're doing is taking our somebody else's faults and building ourselves up above them and that is sin, that is evil speaking. If you're tearing someone down, it's not for God's glory. <laughs> we're making ourselves God. The Bible condemns this over and over and over. I realize this and studying this, if there's one theme throughout the Bible, I'm telling you now, it is falsely judging people and I'll explain what I mean by that. And it is judging other Christians and people peered in the ways of this world and things of this world like we shouldn't. There is times the Bible teaches that we must have spiritual discernment. Yes, we've got to and you should. You're crazy if you don't. And there's times we must judge things and people. Let me give you a quick example. Every one of you, by the way, at the age of 18, if it is humanly possible for you to vote, you go vote. You say, I don't want to vote for anybody. I don't either, but go vote. Why? Because people died to give you that right. And if you don't vote, don't ever let me hear you complain one time about your politicians. Anyway, let me go back to preaching, quit mandling. But we must have spiritual discernment. But this does not mean that we can judge the hearts and motives of others. It doesn't give us that privilege. The Bible does not allow us that. We are then becoming a judge of the law and then we set ourselves up, up as God when we have evil speaking of one another. How often do we do this at times? When you talk about somebody, are you thanking God for them or are you finding all the reasons they're worse than you? If we have for sure dealt completely with the sin in our life, from a pure, merciful heart, then yeah, we can help somebody with their sins, but don't go into it telling them how awful they are. They're probably not going to listen to much of what you've got to say. I probably wouldn't either. There's one lawgiver, and that's God. Let him put the law forth. You and I are to love and try to help people and encourage people and show mercy to people and tell them about Jesus and show them Jesus' love and not slander and slam and backbite. And we come into church and we wonder why there's decisions and why there's divisions between us. It's no wonder we can't live like this. So number one, there is evil speaking. James 4.13 says, Go to now, either say today or tomorrow. We will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get game. Big, big plans here to make big money. And verse 14 says, Whereas he know not what shall be on the morrow, 
For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. That he ought to say at the Lord will, we shall live or do this or do that. In this day and time, in Bible times, what they would do is they would go from city to city. They would sell and trade their goods and make them a few coins. There's nothing wrong with making a few dollars. I'm not against that. You've got to have a few if you're going to eat and have somewhere to sleep. But the Bible says, as most of the time it's misquoted, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money doesn't care about you. It doesn't have any affection towards you. It's not going to help you. It other buy some things, but we love the wrong things sometimes. Number two, we have an evil strategy. We have evil speaking and evil strategy. They were clearly making big plans and they weren't including God. Too much of the time, people do this. How often do we make plans and never ask God for his directions? How often do we start our day, me included at times, and every one time ask God for his direction during that day and ask Holy Spirit to guide us, direct our tongues, direct our minds, direct our lives, ask him every finite detail. As we in the Sunday school class, the brother mentioned how that he heard J. Vernon McGee say that they even counted the fishes in the story there in John's Gospel 21 and how that God makes fine details sometimes in his word. Do you not think he's concerned about the fine details in your life and my life, but we don't bother to include him too much of the time? We make big plans, but we don't get his direction. Huh. I don't do it in lots of things and never ask God for his input. People say, well, God's never convicted me for that. Have you ever bothered to ask him? But they would move from city, as I said, city to city and make their fortune. The thing is, we have no idea what the next minute holds, much less the next year. We are so limited. We are so finite that we cannot even plan for tomorrow. I'm not telling you not to plan a meal for tomorrow. You better have some kind of plans. You better have some kind of retirement just in case. But don't leave God out and think you're going to go do this and do that and never inquire of God because you don't know how that's going to turn out. You get yourself in a mess and you say, oh God, bail me out. I need a bailout. And so many times in life, we have to do that because we did not include God like, <laughs> about twisting my tongue here, we did not include God like we should have. Today or tomorrow, next year I'm going to go do this and do that. For the next year, this is my plans. Have you bothered to ask him? So we have an evil strategy. Because our strategy doesn't always include God. Thank God I had the strategy for heaven figured out. It wasn't anything I did. It was what he did for me. Thank God my eternity is sealed. I'm going to heaven one day to be with him. Hey, what a day that'll be with my Jesus. I shall see. Thank God for that song. Thank God for that hope. But here today, we must live for him and not let our strategy get in the way of God's strategy. What are you doing for God? What are you asking him? He wants to do through you. He's telling us, go to now that say that today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14, I'm going to read it again. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for you. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. That's how long your life is compared to eternity. Some of you was looking down. I took up bulletin and just tossed it out. It took all of two seconds for it to hit the floor. 
You and I don't know what tomorrow holds. You, you don't know what the next minute holds. And I got a dryer sheet coming out of my, my <laughs> shirt. I thought, what in the world's attacking me? You know, my shirt's clean anyway, don't you? My shirts are ironed in the dryer. Anyway, let me move on. Amber irons them and they usually don't take long for me to destroy it. But how much do we really desire to seek God's will? Do you understand that your life is so short and it is so, so minor in comparison to eternity? We can't waste any time for Jesus. We got to be doing something for Him and letting Him guide us. What are you doing that's going to make eternal difference in your life and the life for God and someone else's life? Is there anything you can look back on and say, God led me to do this. I did this for His honor. I did this for His glory. Not to rear back and brag, but to know that you've done something for God. And He's done something through you and for you. Have you got evil strategy or is it, or is it godly strategy? I guess I could have worded it that way. We got evil speaking or honorable speaking? <laughs> we got evil strategy or honorable strategy? There, I'll turn it around, make it a little bit positive. James 14, 4 and 16, the Bible says, But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. <laughs> I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Both of those verses goes a long ways and say a whole lot. So number three, we got an evil self. <laughs> we got, a, got an evil, evil speaking, evil strategy, and an evil self. We like to think big sometimes, don't we? In a lot of commentaries, this passage is often called the gifted passage. I'll explain that just in a minute. Let me go and explain it now. <laughs> the reason is sometimes, and this goes along with what this verse is saying, this passage is called that because people who have something extra that others don't like to look down on those who have not. Not everyone all the time, but some do. It can be in a form of money. It can be in a form of possessions, smarts, good looks, and I have none of the above, so I can't look down on any of you for that. But you can go on and on so many things that we can have and we look down on people for sometimes because they don't have what we have. Let me give you a little more spiritual example. A lot of churches, and I've got to watch myself in this, will look down on other churches because they may not have as many people as they do. They may not have had the programs going on that they do. They might not be able to do the things that we do in our church and this and that. And if we're not real careful, even in this little church, we'll look down on other churches and say, wow, look how much better we are. That's proud boasting. That's evilness. The Bi I just told you what the Bible says. That's what the Bible calls it. Do you and I realize our sin is evil and it is not pleasing to God? I want more services like we had this morning. I want more than what we had. But as long as we're allowing evil things in our life, we won't see much better. I want more. I want better. I want the church house full. I want the church house full of God's presence every time we walk in the door. I want people that comes here lost and not right with Jesus to be convicted by the power of God in their life 
and not be able to walk out the door and say, I'll leave it behind. I want the power of God in this church. And I want it on each one of you and on me. He's in us. But as long as we allow these things in our life, we won't have it. We know how much of the time the Bible teaches us to do things, but we still don't do it. I can sit up here and preach and preach and preach and preach about things. We know it, it talks about uh, the way we should live our lives, our minds protecting it, but talking about coming to church, talking about tithing, talking about giving. It talks about how we conduct ourselves, places we should and should not go, things we should and should not do, and we still do it. A lot of times, let me ask you, do we say ouch at what I just preached? And if so, are you going to respond? What about the other things that said the Bible teaches? It teaches fathers how we ought to live and be leaders of the home. It teaches the wives how they're to keep the home, submit to the husband and honor him. And the husband honor the wife so she'll want to. Are we doing these things, men and women? Parents, are you teaching your kids about Jesus more than anything else? Church attendance matters? Or are you teaching them that life has so much more to offer than coming to church? Teaching they got we got time for this, we got time for that, but we ain't got time to pray together as a family. Does your parents, does your I mean parents of your kids see you pray and talk to Jesus? Do they know you pray and talk to God? Are they aware of a time that you set aside to go visit with Jesus? Or do they ever see this? Do they experience this? Do you pray with them? Do you pray over them? Is there a place in your home that you can go to and say, here's where we meet with our kids and Jesus? By the way, that's a prelude to what's coming after we get out of James here. Let me ask you this, and I'm done. Man, I preached quicker than y'all thought I could, didn't I? Let me ask you a very serious question. This has been simple and short and I barely got into it. I barely scratched the surface of the interpretation of these verses, but I think you've got it. To confess and admit with me today that our sin is evil and displeasing to God. He's not happy about it. You know, we need to come together and deal with this. Deal with our sin and deal with God. I thought as John was testifying, I don't know when, but sometime very soon, God convicted me. We need to start right there at John's house. Or if he lives in a subdivision, go two directions, start knocking on those doors. John wants to knock on the doors of his neighbors. Maybe we ought to go help him. We can meet when about everybody's available. And go do this. So the only excuse you got is you just don't care. You say, preacher, I'm backward, I'm bashful. I get that. If you are, then come to the church and pray for those that, that are willing to knock on doors. You say, preacher, that's harsh. Hey, you think I'm harsh? What do you think it's going to be like when you stand for Jesus? I'm a cupcake. You know, the Bible also says in Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a... Does anybody know what the last word is? That's right. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
If a friend loves you, they will tell you the truth. Sometimes it will wound you that that's faithfulness to being a friend to you and your pastor loves you and that's why he tells you the truth. It may wound you and it wounds me. But if I don't tell you the truth, I will stand before Jesus Christ one day and answer for it. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to look you and everybody else here in the eye and, and upset you and offend you a, little, a whole lot more than I will him. I don't want to upset you and offend you, but I want to tell you the truth, folks. I'm not trying to meddle and be mean. I want love to be your motivation. I can't beat you over the head and guilt you into doing stuff. That don't do any good. I want your love for God and recognize that our sin against Him is what is keeping us from having the things in our life that we want, that peace, that assurance, that calm, that small, still voice when the world's turned inside out and everything's upside down. And as the old saying goes, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. But you still have calm in your heart because of Jesus and your walk with Him. That's what I want for you today. That's what I want for this church. I want people to come to this church and realize those people love Jesus. That's what I want. I want you to leave here every time I preach and say, what a God. I don't care about what a message. That doesn't do you or me any good. What a God. That's what matters. What a God we serve. A God that loves us so much that He sent His only begotten Son. You know, the word begotten matters. The New Translations takes the word begotten out and replaces with one and only. There is a difference in that. Begotten means unduplicatable. Jesus only was only the begotten Son of God. You can say one and only. He was the one and only until you and I were born again. He's no longer the one and only, but He's still the only begotten. We can't be that, but we can be children of God. You and I, as God's children, need to realize what we do with our life, our evil speaking, matters. Our evil strategy matters. And our evil self matters. It hinders the work of God. I, I, I'm, I say this and I'm done. I want to see these babies right here brought up in a home that's honoring to Jesus. Honoring to God. There's only one way that's going to happen. And that's if you honor God at home and here. I want to see every every person here that's got kids, I want your children to grow up serving Jesus. Honoring God. Not trying to find the things of this world and looking around and saying, let me dabble in this. Let me dabble in that. Every day, almost, I hear somebody else I knew that grew up somewhere around me, all ages, that decided they'd try drugs and now drugs are trying them. They're done. Their life's wasted. I, I, I promise I'm closing with this story. I heard the other day, a young lady had so much hope and promise, threw so many things away, and she decided recently she was going to see what math was like. And now, math has got her. She'll never be able to turn loose of it because it won't turn loose of her. You know, gossip, evil thinking, evil speaking of one another, negative thoughts and attitudes toward people and God is just as addictive and destructive. The difference is, I don't really think there's a person in here that's on meth looking around. 
I really don't. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'd say everybody in here, somewhere along the last little while, has been guilty of speaking evil of somebody. You've been guilty of not asking God to guide you and direct you, not including Him in your strategy. You've been guilty of allowing yourself to look down on somebody else, on something else. You say, my baby wouldn't cry like that in church. Well, get your baby back in here and let's find out. I bet you they will. How about it today, church? Are we going to stand together for God Almighty to try to put these things out of our lives and see God move in His church? What time we got left, I want God to move in this church. I want God to do something. Something that's undeniable, God. I want us to have a revival that we don't plan. I want us to have one that God sends, but until you and I get right with God and pray and seek Him, it's not going to happen. And that's what it's going to take. Father, we thank you again for this time together. God, I, I know this may have been somewhat of a shotgun message, God. It, it's kind of scattered there, Lord, and I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I did the best I could of what I thought you'd give me. God, I don't want to sound mean and browbeating. God, that doesn't do any good. That doesn't help anyone. Makes a preacher's pride stick out a little bit. Rare back and think, I told them, God, that this hurts. That's evil speaking, God. That's evil pride. That's wicked. It's got no place in the pulpit. And God, I pray I never preach with that. If I do, God, forgive me and help me to never do it again. This morning, God, I just tried to preach the truth. God, I, I don't want to rain on the parades. God, I don't want to um, bring people down. God, I want them to bring people up and rejoice in you. And God, until we get the sin out of our life, we're not going to rejoice like we could. I thank you for the service this morning. I thank you for what we felt and experienced. And God, I want more. I want more. That's why I believe you led me to preach this the way you did. Help me, Jesus, today. Help each one. Do with this message what only you can, what you see fit. And for anyone watching, God, that needs to make a move or do something for you, then speak to their hearts. We thank you and we love you and we praise you. Go with us out through this altar call, God. And I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you for sure without a doubt. God, draw them near. If there's any question or doubt in someone's heart, if they died right now, if they get to heaven, God, draw them. We'll take the Bible and show them how to be saved. Show them what to do. But Holy Spirit, you have to draw. We can't. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus, your name we pray. Let them see, Jesus, that you love them, that you died for them, you gave your life for them, and they are needing you. You are what they're looking for, God. It's not another thing of this world. Jesus, it's you. Lord, I pray your convicting power where needed. Amen and amen. As we stand and we get a song, are you willing to to come together as a church and let's pray and ask God to, to search our hearts and to seek us and do for us what only He can.